0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now let's get into today's reading.
1: Okay, here we go. Acts chapter 27. Here's what it says. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius. Now notice, and when we set sail, and when it was decided that we should set sail. Well, who's we? (laughs) You know, this has been the Apostle Paul on trial and such. Yeah, but even though he's in prison, he has some partners in the ministry that are sticking with him. They're outside the prison, but as Paul is now going to be taken on uh, quite a lengthy journey from Caesarea on the Mediterranean coast of Israel, more uh, about central, well, all the way to Rome. That's a long journey back in those days. And so here Luke is writing. So Luke is going to accompany him. And uh, who knows who else is here. But notice this. He said that we should set sail to Italy. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship, of the Adramidium, we put to sea meaning to sail along the coasts of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon. Now Sidon is on the same Mediterranean coast. Uh, There were Caesareas, but way up in the north. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and to receive care. Isn't that wonderful? God gave him favor with Julius, this commander who was going to transport him to Rome. Verse 4, when we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus. Cyprus is an island because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There a centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Nidus, the wind was not permitting us to proceed We sailed under a shelter, under the shelter of Crete, off Salmoni. Now, Crete, of course, is another island. He goes on to say in verse 8, Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lycia. Now, when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast, because the fast was already over, Paul, listen to this, Paul advised them. Now, Paul's a prisoner. Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. In other words, Paul is perceiving by the Holy Spirit that they should not set sail, that it would end in disaster, even loss of their lives. Verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded, listen to this, the centurion who was in charge of Paul and the other prisoners was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail sail from there also if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. So Paul is saying, I am perceiving that this is going to be a disaster if we set, st- if we set sail. However, the centurion was more influenced, persuaded by the helmsman. What do we have? The expert, the expert on the ship that was sort of what we'd call the pilot of the ship by the helmsman and the owner of the ship. So here's a person of influence and experience, and he's influenced by him. But it goes on to say, and the majority uh, decided that they were going to do it. So the majority. So here's, here's the centurion influenced by the expert, by the influential owner of the ship, right? The wealthy person. And then by the majority. And he's not listening to this prisoner named Paul. Well, why would you? If you don't know who he is or who he's connected to, we should say, why would you listen to a prisoner? He's a prisoner. How would he know anything? He's not a sailor, right? However, we all know when you're connected to the Lord, you are the expert, the real expert. And so it goes on to say in verse 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, there's the mistake. They didn't listen to the man of God. Putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called the Eurocliton. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. I mean, they're afraid. They're running cables around the ship to undergird it, trying to hold this thing together. When they had uh, taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground on the certus uh, on the certus sands, they struck sail and so were driven. They just said, hey, we need to let the wind drive us to get us away from the sands that would uh, potentially break up our ship. Verse 18, and because we were exceedingly tempest tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. And this is a a normal tactic that they would use in those days. And likely today, if the ship is too heavy and it's pushed down too much, the waves will fill it up with water. And so they wanted to lighten the ship to allow it to, uh, to float higher on the water. Verse 19, on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. In other words, they are afraid. They're getting rid of even necessary things. Verse 20, now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Now, all of a sudden, what the prisoner connected to God said, they realized, oh, man, he was right. Verse 21, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. Don't you love the apostle Paul? He's a prisoner, but he's telling everybody, and you're going to find out how many people were on the ship. There were a lot of people on the ship. He said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred, incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God." to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. So you can see it is the will of God that he be brought before the emperor Caesar. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. God has granted you. In other words, Paul's been praying for the people on this ship. Why? Hey, they're on my ship. I'm the prisoner. I don't own the ship, but they're on the ship that I'm on. So I'm praying for them. And God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So he is giving them now a prophetic utterance from God as to how this thing is going to end. We're going to run aground on a certain island. Verse 27, now when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near to some land, and they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And this is what they would do. In fact, sonar still works like that. You send out a sound, and the length of time that it takes for that sound to come back to you tells you how close you are to whatever it is that reverberated that sound. The sound banked off of if I could say it like that. So they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship... When they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out the anchors from the prow, In other words, these guys are going to take the little skiff and escape thinking everybody else is going to die. We're going to get out of here on the little boat. And, uh, but they were acting like they were just putting the anchors out. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes Of the skiff and let it fall off. In other words, nobody's leaving this ship. Why? Because this prisoner knows what he's talking about and nobody's leaving. So isn't that interesting? Now they're listening to the prisoner. Verse. Thirty-three, and as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, "Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival. Since not a hair of your, uh, not a hair will fall from the head of any of you." And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Listen to this. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, there were 276 persons on the ship. There are 276 people on this ship, this ancient ship. And they're taking cues from the prisoner. And when the prisoner says, eat, and he starts eating, they say, we need to eat. We need to eat. (laughs) They didn't listen to him at first, but now everybody is listening to this prisoner. Let me tell you, when you have the Lord and when you can discern what the Spirit of God is saying, you become the smartest person in the room because God is the smartest person in the universe. He is God. See, and this is why it's so important that we don't just listen to the majority and listen to the experts or listen to the wealthy people. No, we need to listen to God. He always knows what to do, and the experts don't always know what to do. So uh, he gave thanks. He began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food. There was two hundred seventy-six person on the ship. Persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach. "'onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. "'And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea, "'meanwhile losing the rudder ropes and loosing the rudder ropes, "'excuse me, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind "'and made for shore. "'But striking a place where the two seas met, "'they ran the ship aground and the prow stuck fast And remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, listen to this, but the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest, some on board's, and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Paul was right both about not uh, you know, launching in the first place because it would end in disaster. But then he said, an angel of the Lord to whom I belong stood and said, not a person will be lost, but we're going to have to run aground on a certain island. It happened exactly the way Paul said it would happen. Nobody's lives were lost. And that's the end of chapter 27. But in chapter 28, we're going to see what happens when they get to this island. And really, miracles happen in chapter 28, the very last chapter in the book of Acts. Miracles happen in the ministry of the apostle Paul. And we're going to see it to these natives, these natives. Who have never heard anything about the gospel. And we're going to watch what happens when a prisoner shows up who's anointed of the Lord, has a heart for people, but the power of God rests on him. Don't miss the conclusion of the book of Acts tomorrow, chapter 28. Thank you for joining us for the
0: New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.